Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Lo Breitenbach is the director of the National Arts Associations and Mental Health Activist. He's a social media influencer, actor. Um, yeah, he's been on a very interesting journey over the past few months. And I love that he is going public. I love that he is going to be sharing his story um, and really just reaching out and saying, you know, you are not alone. So, Lo, um, welcome. It's wonderful to have you on the show today. Thank you so, so much, and thank you for the opportunity to chat about this. No, it's an absolute pleasure, Low. You know, I mean, when, when people look at you and people look at your life and people look at everything that you represent, I mean, there's perfection there, Low. Do you know what I'm saying? You kind of represent <laughs> um, this beautiful man together. You look fit. You look amazing. Um, this successful career. And I'm just, I'm just pointing to all these kind of facades that we put out there. Not, not saying that they are facades as in there's nothing that backs it, but as in yeah. how difficult it can sometimes be to uphold these certain facades. And um, especially during this time, Lo. So perhaps you can That's share true. with our audience a little bit about your story in, in terms of that. Yeah, so I think the interesting thing that you pointed at there is the fact that people may see you on TV or they know me um, from Via's uh, Drama Mamas, the Afrikaans show, and or they follow on social media, and they almost have this idea that somehow you are immune to uh, the effects of life and um, this push-and-pull effect of we never speak about mental health because it's always something that happens to someone else. And those who are experiencing it themselves are too afraid to speak up because of that stigma that it's always happening to someone else. And there might be something wrong with you for feeling depressed or feeling anxious in large crowds or sometimes even being too anxious just to answer your phone or too depressed to do the most minimal tasks like just getting up and making your bed. And um, my journey with it started when I was 15. I was diagnosed with uh, depression itself, later on anxiety disorder, and in adulthood, diagnosed OCD. And then uh, last year, I was in a terrible car accident um, that was widely covered by the media, and I thought I was okay at the time. You know, I went for my little therapy sessions, and uh, I was okay. And then suddenly came December and you just sit with all this time on your hand and you hands and you keep pushing the feelings down. And when lockdown started, it's as if all those feelings amplified and um, you realize that, listen, you need help. Otherwise, uh, this is not going to end well for anyone um, because of that. Uh, uh, thing that's on the outside. And I've always been an advocate about mental health because it's been so close to me, but I never thought that it would reappear so often in my life as a theme um, mm. or bring me to a point where I can hopefully tell other people that it's okay to not be okay. Yeah, it's okay to not be okay. It's a really profound thing to say. Um, and we hear that, but when we really sit with that, um, we let that sink in. It's okay to not be okay. So I, I'm so interested, though. I mean, you talk about at the age of 15 being diagnosed um, with depression. And so let's start off there. We, we see the numbers um, of depression and anxiety in teenagers, the very high uh, numbers in suicide. And, and it's really very frightening, and especially because of what we're facing with COVID-19. Perhaps you can talk to that a little bit. You know, at the age of 15, how do you 
how do you make your way through feeling the normal hormonal ups and downs and feeling self-conscious as a teenager and then knowing that you maybe you need to see someone because it could be something more serious? Mm, definitely, and I think it's something um, where both ends of the scale, both people actually feel helpless. You know, parents on the one side of the spectrum go, well, they don't know what to do. They just see all these behavioral changes in their kids, and especially now it's even more difficult because now you're unsure whether it's just the uncertainty of COVID or whether there's actually a deeper underlying issue. And on the side of children, it's so difficult to ask for help because they're so scared that grown-ups won't understand them. So... Lo has decided to go public with his story of battling with mental illness from his teens, how it keeps coming back. And it's such an important conversation to be having, especially now with COVID-19, but also to take the stigma out of mental illness um, to, as Lo said, to realize it's okay to sometimes not be okay. So, Lo, we lost you for a moment. Just before the break, we were talking about um, you were saying how hard it can be for parents and for the teenager, you know, with the change of behavior and how, how do you know when to take it to the next step? They have to look out for the warning signs. Um, when we look at the developmental phase of teenagers, they're not always aware of what's happening with their bodies because so much of it is hormonal and just growing up and growing through those phases of Ja. So um, oftentimes I refer to the South African Depression and Anxiety Group's uh, uh, website where they actually have a list of warning signs that parents can look out for to know whether it's something that's just developmental or whether there are un deeper underlying issues. And I think what's really important to make sure that you don't force your child to speak but create an environment where they feel safe enough to chat to you and create an environment where they feel safe enough to discuss emotions with you so um, it becomes a thing when there's a wall up or a barrier of judgment and children don't feel that their parents would accept or appreciate where they are at life in that moment so the moment we can remove the judgment and create a safe environment for children uh, to let their emotions be heard is when we actually pave the way for better communication between parents and kids. Hmm. So, so for you, and you're speaking from experience, um, you know, being diagnosed with depression and then having to navigate your way through this with your family, with your friends, did you realize that it was something that you were going to be living with forever? Did you see it as something that was short term? I'm talking about for your experience. How did it feel for you? I think for me, it's been um, something that I've lived with uh, for very long. So I always knew uh, from a very young age that I was a little bit different. I grew up very emotionally um, entangled in all my <laughs> emotions almost because um, I was diagnosed at 15, but obviously there were some telltale signs uh, way before. And uh, by the age I was 21, I had three suicide attempts and it was really a mind shift to go from, yes, you need your medication and yes, you need this, but do you want to live? And do you want to make the time that you have on earth count? And when that switch happens and you can acknowledge that this is a disease like anything else, like living with diabetes or um, living with uh, HIV, it's not a death 
sentence and sometimes you feel that suicide's the only way because you feel like you're a burden to everyone around you or maybe it's just, life is just better off if you're gone everyone's lives would be easier and you won't feel so alone because sometimes we have this idea in our head that it's almost better to feel nothing if you're not going to feel happy and the moment you realize that this world needs you and that you need yourself and that you are worth showing up for is when the fight can start. And then you can acknowledge what I have is a disease and it's treatable. And in many cases, um, it's not even needed uh, that you have medication. There are general anxiety disorders that can be treated very efficiently just with therapy and counseling sessions. Um, and only in more severe cases will it move over to um, diagnose depression where you will uh, probably go on uh, medication for that. But to know that it's not a death sentence, it's a crutch that helps you through life. And this is just the hand you've been dealt with. But it doesn't mean you have to end just because it feels like the world around you is ending. Um, and this beautiful experience of a rebirth almost takes place where you say, hey, I can recreate myself. I'm not my circumstances. I am actually a living human being who's intelligent, who has talents, who has emotions. And the moment you realize how beautifully designed you are, that moment you can step into purpose and go, okay, wait, I need to fix this and I need to learn how to live with my disease instead of fighting against it the whole time. Hmm. Live with the disease instead of fighting against that. Well, Losa, I mean, and being in the industry that you're in, right, um, you know, we live with social media is fantastic, but there are these kind of avatars that we create where we project our best, most perfect self. It's almost like the, the, the highlights of our lives, and that's what we show everyone. And as I said, if anyone just goes to your Instagram, you, I mean, you, you, you look amazing. You, in your peak, you're healthy, all of these things. Is it important for you to maintain that? And at what point did you think that, you know, I can crack the facade and let me rather reach out and show people that they see this, but there's something beyond, there's something deeper, and it's okay to have that? Absolutely. And I think it's something that even when you're not in the industry, it's almost COVID is challenging us on all levels. All levels. <laughs> Apologies um, about that. It's my internet signal that went a bit there. Um, all of ours. All of us. Don't you worry. No, uh, sorry. What I was wanting to say was just that I think society often places this um almost this hold on you where you feel you have to be perfect and represent this perfect image. And when you are in the industry, even your age will often tell you that, listen, keep it positive, keep it vibey. People don't want to read about all your problems. <laughs> and yeah. But people want real, though. You've disappeared again. I mean, you, you were just saying that your agent says, you know, keep it upbeat and vibey. People don't want to see the other side. And I almost feel like... Um, People want to see the real side, you know, and I think that COVID has done that as well as we've got to see that, you know, we're not just one thing. There's so many dimensions. There's so many aspects to, to who we are, um, which is important. I'm hoping we're going to get low back. We seem to be having a problem. Sorry. There you go. You're back. 
<laughs> Coming and going like a rude visitor on <laughs> Listen, we're all trying to manage this. You know, there have been times when we're doing the show and it drops and it comes and it goes. That's what we're doing. But, La, I just wanted to move on. I wanted to um, – and you mentioned this awful accident that you were in. Um, I believe someone was killed in the accident. As you say, you thought you had got over it, but in December it really hit you. Now, you're talking about dealing with depression over a long period of time, then going into lockdown. What do you do? What do you say to yourself when you feel that you're starting to sink into that dark tunnel? How, how, how do you put yourself up? Perhaps, you know, for people who are listening, maybe maybe you can impart some Something that, that you use to help you. Absolutely. So, um, look, right after the accident, there were three people that passed away. So, right after that, there was obviously the initial therapy and counseling, and then you deal with survivor's guilt and the fact that you walked out of there, even though it wasn't your fault, you walked out of there almost unharmed, and um, to some extent, your life has to go on. I mean, that next morning, I had to be back on set. There was no downtime because we were producing a live show at that moment. So you almost have all these events happening, and I always say, for me, it was the car crash, but everyone's life crashes at some point in some form, whether it's a divorce or a family illness or now with COVID or job of uncertainty, somewhere in your life there's going to be a crash. And if you are able to survive that crash, that's when you can walk forward and go, okay, let's walk with this instead of fighting against it the whole time. And what definitely helps me um, that I often am an advocate for is just trying to stay healthy. Um, and I know it sounds so cliche because everyone's like, when you're depressed, you don't have the energy to gym. And right now in lockdown, we can't gym. And mm-hmm. gym is definitely not for everyone. But there's something you can do just to get outside and breathe a little bit instead of being stuck in the home. Whether it's just walking outside to your garden and taking a few breaths and realizing to be in the moment, that mindfulness training of realizing what you have overcome, where you are now. And I don't think ever, ever in the future or definitely not in our lifetime, I hope, and never in the past in my lifetime, do we have the opportunity to recreate ourselves the way we have now with lockdown. So, yes, it's terrible. Yes, there are many things that are awful about this. But it's also the one moment life gives you to stand still and go, wait, what can I change in my life? What am I unhappy with? The pace of life has suddenly come to a halt and you can go, oh, I didn't actually have control over anything really. It was just the illusion of control that was shattered. And you now have the opportunity to recreate yourself. If you don't like your job, now is the time to go and reinvent it. If you don't know um, what you are doing with your life, now is the time to figure it out. So even in this stressful time, life presents you with a beautiful opportunity for self-reflection. And for me, I often find um, healing in poetry and writing uh, gratitude journals. Um, that is my way of expressing myself. But, you know, every person um, needs that release of energy and release of thoughts. And whether that comes in art therapy or dance or movement, um, it's about getting your body in a state where it realizes it is not just this dark hole. You can climb out of it. 
And the only way you can climb out of it is by moving. And whether you're moving is writing or making music or going for a jog or walking the dogs or gardening, whatever you need to do to feel alive, that is what you need to go out and do because that's what the world so desperately needs is for people to come alive and realize that they have a purpose and to reach out and make that call, reach out and send that WhatsApp. When you are so alone, we often have this pride element where we don't want to reach out first because depression silences you. So you almost uh, like fold in half into yourself and you're waiting for someone else to reach out to you. But you realize that you have to be your own superhero in this instance and in this moment and to reach out to friends that you know you can trust or family members and where possible um, I know these are very uncertain times but where possible if not for a coffee at least for a video call or something but to not isolate yourself because one of the key um, contributors to depression is isolation so even if you are stuck in the home, make sure that you connect with people through video call or through voice messages. And um, then, of course, animal therapy for many people bring healing to have a small cat or a small dog um, in the house. And adoption centers are wonderful if you are an animal lover. Just to have that responsibility of something is getting you to wake up in the morning and actually leave your bed. So <laughs> to have responsibility and the moment you have responsibility, there's accountability. And when those two work together, um, you get out of bed and you can actually muster up uh, the strength you need to carry on with your day. Mm. Um, I, I, I mean, what I'm getting from everything that you're saying, Lo, is that um, I think some people feel that COVID feels like everything's paused, you know, like we're waiting. Um, but just saying, no, don't pause. Do everything that you can do to be creating, moving, connecting. It doesn't matter how confined or how alone you are. Do, do, don't pause um, yes. and wait for something to shift. You be the shift. You keep shifting and moving. Because the thing about lockdown is it requires us to social distance and and it requires us to not be in con physical contact with strangers. Apart from that, the only other lockdown is in our mind that we self-impose to go, wait, I can't do anything now. When reality yeah. is the one moment that you have where life is moving at a bit of a slower pace so that you can actually play catch up and do the things that you never have time for and the things that you've always wanted to do, that TED Talk or that uh, YouTube session or that study course that you've said you wanted to do for so long but don't have time for, um, that storage room you want to unpack but never have the time or the strength for, this is the one time life is standing still and giving you the opportunity to do the things you've always wanted to do. Yeah, very true. Very true, Lo. Wow, so inspiring, um, Lo. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your message. And thank you for breaking the silence um, on on mental illness, the, the stigma attached. And, um, yeah, let's speak more about it. No one is alone. Um, we're all connected. Um, we all suffer in our own ways. And so I thank you for that. Lo, if people want to follow you, are you blogging? Are you connecting? What are you doing? Very quickly before we say goodbye. On my Facebook page is where I post most of our mental health campaigns. We also have the Gate of Hope Green Ribbon Project. All of that is on my Facebook page. It's just low 
Breitenbach02. And then on Instagram, it's also lowbreitenbach02. I'm quite vocal about mental health on my stories. And then uh, there's a second account, the Lowdown Quote, which focuses solely on mental health um, issues. So uh, they are more than welcome to give it a follow there. And yes, they can always pop us a message for uh, free counseling, or we can put them in contact uh, with free therapists and everything for those who don't have medical aid, but still need to reach out to someone. Oh, that's awesome, though. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. It's really been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you. Thank you, Lo. Take care. Lo Breitenbach, um, Director of the National Arts Association, a mental health activist, social media influencer. He's an actor. He's a presenter. Um, and he is a fitness guru is all I can tell you. You know, he, yeah, he certainly walks his talk. Um, I wish that the connection had been better because everything was so valuable. I hope you got as much out of it as you could have. And remember that the podcast will be on the uh, High FM website from tomorrow so you can listen to the interview.